Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. This week, Pastor Dave will encourage and explain to us the biblical need to extend the invitation of God's church to those around us. And now, for this week's message. Well, church family, as you know, we are in a season of fasting and I don't know what you're fasting, but in the Daniel fast, typically we give up meats and sweets and maybe some party food. Some people are giving up TV. Some people are giving up uh, social media. But typically you give up something that really bothers your flesh. And your flesh says, wait a minute, I want a cup of coffee. That's what my flesh has been saying all this past week because one of the things I gave up was coffee. And I don't know if it's that way for you, but when I'm fasting, whatever I'm fasting, it just seems like my appetite for it is amplified like a hundredfold. And I was like, oh man, I could really use a steak. And also I'm offered steak when I've never offered steak before. Or someone's hey, can I get you a coffee? And it's like, oh no, I'm fasting. I can't do that this week. But in place of it, I desire something more than what I'm cutting out of my diet. And so that's what fasting is all about. I desire to see God move more than I want to have a cup of coffee. And uh, how true is that? That we're believing God to do something amazing in our city through us this whole December. So we're fasting for our Christmas events. And then we're also fasting for the service that we'll be starting in 2014 at Strathcona. On the corner of East Pender and Princess. There's a great church there. And it's almost finished being renovated. And I was by there this past week. You're going to love it. A great site. And we're going to be doing church in the downtown east side. Uh, and God already is way ahead of us. You know, God's at work far more outside of these four walls than we realize. And he has been at work there preparing things. And we have people in our church family that are teaching at the Strathcona School right across there. And uh, we, it's, God's doing amazing things. So we're excited about that. We're excited about what God's doing at Pitt Meadows. Cheryl can maybe give us a little update when she comes back. But uh, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. And we're just glad to be a part of what he's doing. It's so good that he wrote us into his story. We could have a part of it, and uh, we'll have a part to play in that. So that's the other thing that we're praying and fasting for is that special site that's coming up. And we encourage you to do that. This morning, we're going to be talking about inviting others. I know that that is not the topic that's in your November, December handout. And so we made a little change and we just felt prompted to talk about inviting others in view of all that's going on in December. That message that we had planned to put out this weekend, I'm going to put on the city so you can find it on the city or you could find it on the app and uh, you can find that message about Barnabas and being offended there. We're going to work on that. But today we want to talk about inviting others. There was a great event that happened in 2011. It was a massive wedding that cost $34 million. I've never been to a $34 million wedding, but this wedding was $34 million. It was Prince William and Kate Middleton's wedding. I'm going to put their invitation up on the screen for you to take a look at the invitation. Uh, And uh, you'll you'll find that it's a very interesting invitation. The way it's worded is uh, interesting because we're going to tie that into our message this morning. I don't know if anybody here received an invitation. Did anybody get an invitation to that? No, nobody got an invitation to that. I'm waiting for that to come up because that'll, that'll help us in our message. And, uh, but yes, yes, maybe, yes. There it is. All right. So there's this invitation. It says here, the Lord Chamberlain is commanded. Know the word commanded by the queen to invite. My name was not in there, but to invite. 
Now, if you were a royal family, of course, or if you were a prime minister or a king or president, you got invited. But most of us didn't get invited to that. Anyhow, uh, it says it commanded by the queen to invite so-and-so to the marriage of his royal highness, Prince William of Wales, with Miss Catherine Middleton at Westminster Abbey on Friday, 29th, April 2011. And this invitation went out. And uh, 1,900 people got to go to this. But what I want you to zero in on the fact that the queen had commanded the invitation to go out to those people. Now, you two have been invited to an amazing, amazing banquet that's going to be coming up. And God wants us to go out and invite others to the same banquet that's about to be coming. And so the events that we have over Christmas are for that. Not directly, but it helps people find the greatest spiritual banquet of all times, which is in his kingdom. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. There's a verse in your notes, Mark 16, 15. It's your memory verse for the week. It says this, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Two-thirds of God's name is go. And he wants us to go. So that's your memory verse for the week. Go to all the world and preach the good news. Tell the good news. So we're sent to invite people to hear the good news. That's the memory verse for the week. Now, if you go to the headwaters of our story, the very beginning of the story of Jesus, the good news, you'll end up in John chapter 1. And some of the very first words of Jesus are this, come and see. Some people had come up to Jesus and said, hey, where are you staying? Because they wanted to know more about Jesus. They were interested in his life. And Jesus just said to them, well, come and see. And so they went with him. They inquired. They, they hung out with Jesus. And then later on, those same disciples would say to somebody else, hey, come and see. They didn't know everything. They didn't have it all figured out, but they knew what they found was really good. And you should just come and check it out. Come and see. We, we do this naturally. You know, if you have a good movie that you really like, you say to some, hey, come see this. You got to come check it out. Come and see. They're both verbs. They're action words. Come, see. Come, look. Come, come, come inquire. And God welcomes us to come inquire, to look, to check it out. I don't know what your favorite movie is that you'd invite somebody to, or maybe a restaurant. You've got a really good restaurant. You love going there. You say, hey, come see. You got to come check out this restaurant. Last night we had our service. I just opened it up to the congregation. I said, what restaurant would you say come and see to? And somebody was sitting over here on this side, and they shout out, Tomahawk, come and see the Tomahawk. How many have been to the Tomahawk restaurant? Wow, lots of you haven't been to Tomahawk. I'm not going to give it a plug, but it's a pretty good restaurant on the North Shore. Been around for, it was on drive-in diners and dives. It made that show. Anyhow, it's a pretty cool restaurant. And then somebody else had a... Uh, another restaurant that was uh, a vegan restaurant yeah, for me, right? Oh, I was, oh, that'd be a good restaurant to go during this season of my life when I'm fasting. Uh, but anybody this morning have a restaurant that you'd say, hey, this is, you got to check out this restaurant? Anybody? The Red Wagon? Is that what I heard? Where's the Red Wagon? Hastings. I've never been to the Red Wagon. They were in the same show. What kind of food do they have? Whole pork pancakes. <laughs> my, my mom never made that. They're amazing. Though. Okay. Anybody else have a favorite restaurant? You say, come and see. Yeah. What, hiding sushi? Hide sushi. Kaide sushi. Wow. So I serve, they serve sushi. I'd love to go there too, but, you know, I'm fasting meat, unfortunately. But 
So where's that restaurant? Right under your house. Okay. <laughs> I'll check it out. That helped me a lot. That's good. That's great. How many else have heard of that restaurant? Anybody heard of that restaurant? Lots of hands. Okay, so that's a good restaurant. Come and see. Come check it out. It's good food. Anybody else have a favorite restaurant? One more. Which one? Italian Kitchen, right down the street. How good is that? You could go there for, for lunch after the service. So, you know, but when we have a good restaurant, it's, you, nobody has to, we just kind of do it naturally, right? Nobody's like, oh, I have to tell them. No, it's like, hey, come see. This is a really good food. And when you experience how good God is, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, he's good. And when you taste and see that, it, nobody has to compel, nobody has to force you to do it. You just naturally do it. Hey, come see. We were at the Alpha Lead Churches this past week in Toronto. We had a meeting, then we had our board of directors meeting. Alpha has grown by almost triple in the last year in Canada, the number of churches running Alpha. It's just increased exponentially. And the reason it's increased is because people have just said, hey, come see, come check out Alpha, come and see it. Alpha is about Jesus. It's about discovering who he is and discovering the Holy Spirit and discovering God's word. And it's a fun place to do that. We have it here every Monday night at different locations. So it's just come and see. This is an interesting fact. In British Columbia, there is only one prison now that does not run Alpha. That's amazing. Wow, people are hungry, and God's, like I said, Aslan is on the move. God is on the move, and he wants us to be on the move this Christmas. He doesn't want us just to come to church and sit on the pew and, you know, and then go back to who our life group. Those are great. We need to do that, but he also wants us to go. God is at work outside these four walls, maybe even more so than he's at work right here. Because he's working in people's lives. What he wants us to do is intersect our life with their life and invite them to come and see that God is good. So that's where we're going this morning. We're talking about that. In John chapter 145 and 46, Philip finds Nathaniel and he says to Nate, Hey, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. They don't know everything about him, but they know something about him. And Nate said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, he doesn't say, he doesn't get into a debate about him. He doesn't say, well, let me see. The Bible says blah, 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 blah. He just says, hey, come and see. I don't have all the answers, but come and see. And so we, when we invite people, we do our part. But then guess what? God does the rest. And so we're going to go somewhere this morning. I'm going to show you a place that you can enter into the miracle zone. The miracle zone is when you step out and you invite somebody else, hey, come and see. That puts you in a miracle zone. So let's go to the parable of the Great Supper in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. If you have your Bibles, let's go there and we'll read this parable. And uh, if you have it, in your iPhone, go there, whatever way you have it. Luke chapter 14, and we'll start in verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man had a great supper, not just any supper, but a great supper, and he invited many. Remember the word many. And he sent his servant at supper time to those who were invited. He said, come for all things are now ready. But 
they of all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I've come, I'm going to test them, uh, so please excuse me. Another one said, I've married a wife, therefore I can't come. And so the servant came and reported all these things to his master. The master of the house became angry, said to his servant, go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. The servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded. There's still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So a couple of lessons from this story. Number one, God is the host. If you have your notes there, you'll see that God is the host. I have amazing news for you this morning. God is into parties. Oh, yeah. He's into parties. You think you know how to party. God knows how to party. Yeah. The biggest party is going to be in heaven. Yeah. Somebody said, well, you know, I want to go to hell because we're going to party the whole time. No, you're not. You can be separated from God. The biggest party is in heaven. Now, the next chapter is the lost and found chapter of Luke 15 because a couple of things get lost. A sheep gets lost, a coin gets lost, a son gets lost. When the sheep gets lost, the shepherd goes, finds the sheep, brings it back. You know what he does? It says in Luke 15, I think around verse 6, he calls his friends and neighbors and he has a party. Hey, I found the sheep. Let's have a party. This whole chapter is a metaphor of God. And he says, if there's one sinner who repents, there's a party in heaven. There's a lot of parties in heaven going on. Yeah, and then there's a coin that gets lost. The woman goes, she looks, she finds a coin. What does she do when she finds a coin? She calls her friends and neighbors and says, hey, come on over, I'm having a party. Then there's a son who gets lost, a prodigal son. He comes home, you know the story. Dad has a barbecue. He kills a fatted calf. He calls all his friends over. He has a party. It's a metaphor of God. God celebrates. He wants to celebrate with you. He wants to celebrate with me. He brings us to this incredible banqueting table. It's not exclusive. It's inclusive. Every race, every sex, every tribe, every segment of society gets invited to this, can come to his banqueting table. This table, he pays for it. It's not potluck. You don't have to bring your own dish to get in. It's all paid for. You come. It's by grace we come to this amazing table. He he wants many to be there. The Father says, I want my house to be filled. I want it to be filled. I want every spot to be taken. And so this is the Father. He's, He's the host here in this story. And then we're in the story. We're, we're invited, of course, but we're also sent to invite others to come. And it says to compel them to come, to urge them, to encourage them to come. Again, going back to our restaurant, if we found a really good restaurant, whether it be sushi or whether it be a vegan restaurant or a steak restaurant, and we, we kind of compel them. We, we encourage, oh, you've got to taste this. It was so good. The service was so good. And we, we talk up that restaurant. If we can talk up a restaurant or a movie, how much more should we talk up Jesus and say, come and see how good God is and what he's been doing and the miracles that have been happening, how how great is our God? So that's in the story. We're invited to do that. Then everyone is welcome, like I mentioned. Everyone is welcome. No matter what part of society they're from, everyone is welcome. Tony Campolo tells a story that he was on his way to Hawaii Arrived there quite late. He's jet lagged, can't go to sleep. 
So in the middle of the night, he gets up and he goes looking for a place to eat. And he finds this bakery, donut shop. And uh, he sits down there and, and there's this group of prostitutes at one of the tables. And one of the girls stands up and announces. She says, it's my birthday and nobody noticed. And she leaves. And he catches her name. Her name's Agnes. And as she leaves, he turns to the other prostitutes that are still there. He says, ladies, you know, I think we should throw a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow. And he turns to the the cook there. He says, could you make a birthday cake? And so the cook makes a birthday cake. The girls say, we'll bring the decorations tomorrow. Same time, same place. Let's surprise Agnes, and we're going to give her a birthday party. So the next day, Agnes comes in. And they say, surprise, happy birthday, and everything's decorated, her name's up there, and there's a big birthday cake on the table. And she just begins to weep. She says, nobody has ever given me a birthday cake before. And she says to him, you know what? I I don't want to eat this birthday cake. I'll go buy another one. We can eat that birthday cake. But this birthday cake, I want to take it home to my mom. Can you wait right here? I'm going to get another birthday cake. I'm taking this one to my mom. And she leaves. And when she leaves... Tony bows his head and he prays and he prays, you know, God, I I thank you that you love Agnes. I thank you that you died. The greatest gift you could give anyone is that we're forgiven of our sins and how much you love her. He opens his eyes and he realizes that all these other girls were praying with him as he prayed. Now, the guy who ran the shop says, hey, you're a preacher. And he goes, yes, I am a preacher. He goes, well, what kind of church do you come from? He goes, I come from a church that throws parties to prostitutes and invites the sinners. And the guy says, I want to be part of that kind of church. That's where I want to be. So it's inclusive. It's for everybody. And then you'll notice that the people made excuses. They went there. They were invited to make excuses. I came across some excuses, and they're silly. But I think sometimes the excuses we give God are, ex- are silly. But these are the excuses. These are actual notes that came back to the school for the children to be excused from school. One wrote, my son is under the doctor's care and should not take P.E. today. Please execute him. <laughs> little, little spelling mistake there. Maybe the teacher won't execute him. I'm not sure. But uh, the next one was, dear school, please excuse, E-C-K-U-S-E, excuse John for being absent on January 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 32nd, and 33rd. We're not sure where she went to school. Anyhow, the next one was, John has been absent because he had two teeth fall off his face. (laughs) The next one's kind of nasty. I'm not sure I should read it, but I'm just going to read it anyhow. It says... uh, Please excuse Tom, for he's been absent yesterday. He has diarrhea and his boots leak. (laughs) Oh, please excuse John for being, period. It was his father's fault. (laughs) Can you imagine the teacher getting this stuff? Oh, wow. Please excuse my son's tardiness. I forgot to wake him up, and I didn't find him until I started making the beds. Oh, crazy excuses. Here, follow this one. This is, this, is, this is crazy. Please excuse Harriet from school yesterday. We forgot to get the Sunday paper off the porch, and when we found it on Monday, we thought it was Sunday. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I laugh at that, but I think God must laugh at our excuses. I mean, some of the excuses that we give God, really, I'm, I'm sure heaven just has a chuckle. You know, they probably list, here's the bloopers for the day. Here's the excuses for the day. Anyhow, 
they make excuses. Now, you have to get some background to the culture. They, in their day, they would send out two invitations. The first invitation was an invitation to come to the banquet, and then you RSVP to it, and then a second invitation would go out, say, all's ready, now come. So these people that are saying no, everybody around that table where Jesus is telling the story, they all know that they got their first invitation, and the RSVP back, yes, that they're coming. Have you ever thrown a party? And you invited people that said, yes, I'll be there. And you bought all the supplies, all the food, and then they don't show up. Are you just a little bit miffed? Like, really? I bought all this food and now you're not coming? Uh, and so in our culture, that would upset us a bit. But in their culture, if you sent out an invitation and then you didn't come to it, they started tribal wars over that kind of stuff. This was a big deal in their culture not to show up if you said already that you're coming. So the, the first invitations have gone out. And now these guys make excuses the second invitation, when the second invitation comes. Jesus is speaking to a group of people that are Jews. The, the gospel came first to the Jews. And when they didn't respond, it also went all to the Gentiles. This invitation has been set, extended to everybody. That's why he says, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come. So the invitation has been sent. They make excuses. One type of excuses are based on things. The pattern hasn't changed much. People still make similar excuses based on things, work, or relationships. The guy based on work, I really get a kick out of him. He says, you know what? I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I asked you to have me excused. Would you buy a car and not test drive it first? If somebody says, you know, I bought a car. I can't come. I'm going to go test drive it. You go, what? You test drive it before you buy it, right? So they're silly excuses, but they're excuses. And when we invite people, sometimes they will make excuses. Sometimes they're valid, sometimes they're not. But that's not our role. Our role is just to do the inviting and leave the rest up to God. God is very gracious, but he's also a holy judge. And he said to those that you were invited, you didn't want to come, then you'll be absent from this banqueting table. So we need to remember that as we look at the story. This chapter, or this story, ends with a very interesting verse, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, take a look at this verse. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste. Now, the next two words are going to upset everybody at the table. The next two words are going to tick them off. Because he says, they shall not taste, not the supper, shall not taste my supper. So he just steps forward and says, and they get it, I am going to have the Messianic Supper. This is my supper. He's equating himself to God again, which really upsets him. Because there is a great banquet coming. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And for those who've had their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they will be there. From all ages, from all walks of life, from all over the globe, we'll be gathered together there. It's very inclusive. We will be surprised at some people who are there. And some people will be surprised that you're there. Some people will be surprised that I'm there. But we'll, we'll be there together. There's this marriage supper of the Lamb coming. And we find that in Revelations 19, verse 9. The angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. He added, these are the true words of God. Now, when we invite people this Christmas, whether it be to the Business by the book banquet, whether it be to the special grand service at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, when we're inviting people, really what we're doing, we say, hey, come, I love you to be a part, ultimately, of a great spiritual banquet. And these are steps to get there. But we're sent to invite people, just like 
Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. God's asking us to go say, hey, come and see. So that our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our family members could be at this great marriage supper of the Lamb. So let's talk a bit about why we don't perhaps invite other people. There was a recent study done of 14,000 churches around the world, a very uh, intensive study, and they did a survey to find out whether people in the churches were inviting people or not inviting people. And they found out around the world only 20% of people in a local church would actually invite somebody else. So that's the 80-20 rule upside down. I think a coastal church, we have to flip that thing around, amen? I think we should have 80% that are inviting people out. And you are a great inviting church. Let me compliment you on that. You're an amazing inviting church. When people come to something, they check off, hey, how did I find out about it? Majority of the times, it's because somebody invited me to it, and we want to do that. Well, what are some reasons why we might not invite others? One, we don't understand what we're inviting them to. It's good to know what we're inviting a person to. And that means a little bit of homework and research. And we'll tell you more about the Santa's Christmas in a bit and what we're inviting people to there. Two, we, uh, we might not invite or also we don't see the cause with that. We just don't see what the reason behind it. And secondly, we don't invite people because of fear. We're afraid. Fear is powerful force. It's a spirit. And ultimately behind inviting somebody, sometimes we feel like I might be rejected if I do that. If I invited somebody, I could face rejection. They might say no. It might damage my friendship. If I'm in my office and I, you know, I, 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 uh, I give out an invitation to somebody and they, they know that it's to church, they might think, who knows where it might go? So I kind of wonder what will happen there. Somebody mentioned they put up a poster and and uh, somebody came along and said they wanted to take it down. Now, ask permission before you put it up, of course, but somebody was, oh, you, this is a church thing. So sometimes we're afraid that it might affect our friendships, our relationships. Jesus warned us about that. He said, when, when you follow me, you're, you're going to have some people who don't understand. And uh, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So be courageous. Invite other people. Uh, and then sometimes we're afraid that people ask questions about our faith that we might not be able to answer. Well, they might ask me these tough questions, and I don't know if I have the answers. We want to study. We want to learn to have answers, but ultimately, it's still just come and see, and uh, the answers come as we go. And then also, we sometimes are afraid to invite people because we're afraid they might not like the event, that it might not be relevant to them. Uh, the church that I grew up in when I was a young boy, uh, I was embarrassed to invite my friends to the church. When my wife, Cheryl, we were dating, I said, okay, let's go to church. We went to my church, country church, and uh, I, I said to her, okay, we, we pulled up to the church, and I kind of took a deep breath, and, and Cheryl looked at me like, what's wrong? I said, well, um, you have to go in that door. That's a woman's door, and I go in the men's door over here. This was not 1930. This is 1970, but we still had separate entrances for men and women. I felt so awkward because Cheryl had to go in that door. I go in the other door, and we get in there, and you know they still sang some songs in German. None of my friends sang German. None of them knew German, but we still sang songs in German. So I was I felt awkward that women on one side, men on the other, songs that we didn't understand. Nobody else modeled it. Nobody else was inviting somebody else. So I, I didn't feel like I should invite somebody. So we never, we never invited somebody. So I think it's important that we have a relevant service. You know, I could stand up here today and I could preach different. I could wear, you know, a, a very old formal suit and I could stand up here. And Today I'd like to welcome the all to the service. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 14. 
Thou hast come today to receive from the Lord. I will be talking about the Great Supper. <laughs> How many want to invite your friends to that? But if, it, if I can understand it, if it's relevant, if the music makes sense to me, if, they, if they're living in my world, then, then, yeah, then I want to invite somebody. So that's important to us. So let me wrap this up. How do we invite others? Here's a couple of points. Number one, again, understand what you're inviting them to. Two, realize this is a really important one. Realize God has been preparing the people for you to invite. God's at work outside these four walls far more than we realize. Now, here's what you need to pray. Pray, God, set me up. Bring somebody into my path that I could invite to one of these Christmas events. And guess what's going to happen? God's going to answer that prayer. Oh, yeah. I dare you. I double-dog dare you to pray that prayer. Because when you pray that prayer, you have just entered a miracle zone. And if you're wondering, is God real? Does God hear my prayers? Pray that prayer. Because if we pray according to his will, then we know that he hears our prayer, and we know we have the request which we've asked of him. It's always his will for us to share our faith and to be inviting others, and you pray that. You'll be surprised who God sets you up with. You say, ooh, you'll get a little nudge or some, ask something. You'll get a cue from the Holy Spirit. And go, I think God's wanting me to invite this person. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. But God will set you up. And then you give them an invitation. Hey, I'd love to have you come out. But pray about it. That's important. So... And we're praying for those to invite. Who are they? Well, the people that don't go to church. And we're inviting them to Santa's Christmas. Uh, we're inviting them to Business by the Book. We have a candlelight service. All these Christmas events we're inviting them to. Now, let me say a little bit about Santa's Christmas. Lacey, if I can have that, that poster there. Uh, I need to explain something to our church family today. So, you can have some posters. You can pick up one of these posters as well and put that up. Now, get permission, you know. You know, don't, don't put it up somewhere and they, they, they get ticked off that it's up there because you didn't get permission, but put it up. Somebody said this morning they, they put up a number of Starbucks yesterday and they were glad to have it up there. So wherever you can, put it up. There's posters available downstairs. Now, we had some people come back and say, Santa's Christmas. They had a problem with Santa in our Christmas production. So let me explain to you why we have Santa in the Christmas production and then we'll get over this, all right? So... <laughs> Last year, we had Carpenter's Christmas, right? And we invited the city, they came. But here's what we found out. A lot of people didn't know that who the carpenter was. Now, if we're believers, we've been brought up in church, we understand that Joseph was the carpenter. But guess what? Hello, we are not living in a church world. Only 3% of our population downtown go to church. We are what they call in missions world, unreached people group. So a lot of people don't know who Joseph was. They don't know he was a carpenter. And so we say, carpenter's Christmas. They go, what? What is that? But guess who they all know? Everybody knows Santa Claus. So that's point number one. Point number two, St. Nick is on our side. He's a Christian. He was a saint. He was a believer. The world has taken and exploited it, and Coca-Cola sells a lot of pop off of it. But guess what? St. <laughs> Nick was St. Nick. He's on our side. Number three, in the story, it's about a Santa Claus in a mall who has a really rough go of things, and he comes to realize who Jesus is. In the narrative, we find out the history of St. Nick. It's going to be an educational piece. 
Matter of fact, some people were concerned about the script because they said people are going to realize that Santa Claus wasn't really who the world says he is. Right. We're going to blow the lid off. We're going to tell you who Santa Claus really was and who Jesus really was. So if you still have a problem with it, just use this as a bridge and get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Santa's Christmas. It's not a Santa Claus Christmas, it's Santa's Christmas. So hopefully that answers the questions and the blogs. There we go. All right. So Santa's Christmas. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're, 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 we're fishing. You know, if you go fishing, you have to put something on your hook that attracts a fish. And so we want to reach the unchurched. I understand this is, especially on the 14th and 15th, this is for our people in our city that don't know the Lord, but are very interested in learning about him, and they would have an interest in coming because, oh, I recognize Santa Claus. So that's where that is at. All right. What else can we do? Practice inviting and follow through, actually do it. Help them get to the event. Give them a ride. Invite them on the SkyTrain to go with you. When they're there, introduce them to somebody else that you have a friend in common with. Uh, People are lonely in our city. It's, we're the number one city in Canada for social media. We are the loneliest city in, in Canada. Number one for social media, number one for loneliness. A lot of people just want to be invited. The greatest Christmas present a lot of people could have is that on Christmas, I, my only thing I get to do is go to Starbucks for a coffee. One of the greatest things that could happen on Christmas is I found somebody that I have something with. I was invited to their place. They came to my house. My Christmas was different because I found out there's a group of people that really care about this city. That would be a great Christmas. So it's about inviting. God's asking us to go and to invite. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live in a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.